Welcome to Newer Church with Corey Turner. We pray you encounter God and become more like Jesus through this message. To find out more, visit us at numa.church. Why don't you go with me to Acts chapter 2. And uh, Acts chapter 2, for me, is affectionately known as the Super Bowl chapter of the Bible, a day of Pentecost. We're going to go two passages of Scripture today. Acts 2, 1 to 4, and then we're going to go to 1 Corinthians 14, 1 to 5. In Acts 2, verse 1 to 4, who's got an old school Bible? Just let me know. Awesome. Really good. If you need an old school Bible, go to the Resource Center. Keep Barb busy. (laughs) Buy a a paperback, leather-bound Bible. Um, Acts 2. Wonderful. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Right, go across to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Let's read verses 1 to 5 together. We're going to look at Paul's writing on contrasting uh, tongues and prophecy. And he says in verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 14, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For, not, for one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and their encouragement and their consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up themselves, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, Paul says, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. I want to speak to you today on the subject, speaking in tongues. And uh, for me, um, my encounter with uh, this prayer language, this heavenly language, and also this gift happened at a very young age. When I was six years of age, my parents were leading a church for three years in Kalgoorlie, Western Australia. I'm Melbourne born and bred, but in my formative years of childhood, uh, they took on a church there. There was about 12 people in the church. Three years later, that church had grown to about 150 people, all first-time believers. And uh, we, we had a wild circus of a church. And uh, I remember one Sunday night after Dad preached on the baptism of the Spirit, I didn't fully understand everything, but I knew I wanted more of God. And at the end of that service, I, I walked down to the altar. A man of God who had recently just come to the church uh, came and was praying with people and he uh, laid hands upon my head and I got filled with the Holy Spirit, baptised in his presence. That means to be immersed, saturated in the person and presence and power of the Holy Spirit. 
And there was this sense, this overwhelming compulsion inside of me. It's like a bubbling up in my spirit to open my mouth and out of my mouth came an unknown language that I'd not spoken before, speaking in tongues. And from that day to this day, I have lived with a conscious awareness of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. I've been acutely aware that my life is not my own. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And what speaking in tongues has done in my intimacy with Jesus has completely changed it to not just being a cerebral sort of mental cognitive process, but a spirit to spirit encounter. How many of us know the Bible says deep calls to deep? The depths of your spirit is longing to connect with the depths of who God is. And the depths of who God is, is longing to connect to and speak to the depths of your spirit. Visiting our um, San Francisco location late last year, we quickly went up to Bethel for the weekend and I was praying in the prayer chapel and reflecting on the encounters and the revival and the outpouring of the spirit that we'd been hosting and stewarding and being a part of here at, at Numa at Melbourne City. And, and as I was reflecting on that, the overwhelming sense, the constant verse that was coming back to me over and over again that weekend is deep calls to deep. God wants a deeper relationship with you. He wants to take you deeper than a surface level understanding of prayer and intimacy. He wants you to know His heart. He wants you to connect with Him spirit to spirit. And yet, possibly no gift of the Spirit has been more controversial, has received more attention, more fascination and more criticism than speaking in tongues. And yet God chose to use speaking in tongues as the distinctive sign of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. God would not have given us the gift of speaking in tongues if He didn't want us to benefit from it, both personally and corporately. And unfortunately, what happens is some people are quite apprehensive towards speaking in tongues because they misunderstand what's actually happening. And when you and I are ignorant of something or we misunderstand it, we're afraid of it. And so we tend to reject it. But the Bible has lots to teach us. God, by His Spirit, has lots to lead us into understanding speaking in tongues because He wants us to engage in this form of prayer and He wants us to be filled with His Holy Spirit. So it's so important that we don't resist speaking in tongues based upon previous biases or presuppositions, maybe from uh, poor or false teaching in the past, or maybe even from fear. Why? Because Timothy tells us, you've not received a spirit of fear, but a power, love and a sound mind. The Spirit of God that lives inside of you, if you're a believer in Jesus, does not promote fear in your life. And so if there is a, any fear or apprehension, either that comes from a lack of knowledge or it comes from the enemy trying to deceive us and withhold from us the truth that when we know the truth, that truth sets us free. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, 15, Paul said, now I want you all to speak in tongues. In verse 39, he says, do not forbid speaking in tongues. So what we need to do is we need to demystify speaking in tongues and we need to recognise the power of using it in our everyday lives. 
It was Yong Yi Cho who said that the Holy Spirit revealed to him that literally 60% of his ministry wouldn't exist if he didn't speak in tongues. And he was pastor of world's largest church at that time, nearly a million members. But the intimacy, the connection, the revelation that came through speaking in tongues actually transformed not just his heart, but his entire life and his ministry. What is speaking in tongues? It's the supernatural ability to communicate with God in an unknown language. It's not emotional gibberish. It's not a result of people just simply wandering around in an ecstatic trance. It is the supernatural endowment given by the Holy Spirit to communicate with God and sometimes others in an unknown language that you haven't learned by natural means. Now, the Greek word for it is glossolalia, literally means tongue speech. It literally means speaking in an unknown language. Exonalia means speaking in a known language, meaning you learnt that language at school, you learnt that language growing up, and so you communicate in your native tongue. Well, on the day of Pentecost, when the disciples began to speak in tongues at the baptism of the Spirit, there were multitudes who were dwelling in Jerusalem at that time and came for the feast of Pentecost. Pentecost was a feast in the Jewish calendar that they honoured and that they all came together to celebrate harvest. And so here is people from all over the earth and they're beginning to hear the glory of God and the gospel message being proclaimed through their native tongue. The disciples didn't know that they were speaking in those native tongues. They just knew they'd encountered the Holy Spirit. They'd been filled with the presence and power of the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit manifested through them in the native tongues of the people that were dwelling in Jerusalem at that time. I remember years ago ministering in a foreign country and before I got up to preach the Word, sitting at the front, I began to speak in tongues and a lady came up to me after the service who was sitting close by and said, you are actually speaking in Aramaic, the Lord is exalted. And you were repeating that over and over again. Aramaic was the original language that Jesus spoke. It was a language that this lady understood on the other side of the world. A a man by the name of Suppressor, who is a part of Heidi Baker's ministry team in Africa, he speaks 14 languages, but he only learned two of them in a natural way. 12 languages was given to him by download of the Holy Spirit. It was given supernaturally by faith. Now you think about most other spiritual gifts require a third party to be involved. When it comes to healing, you can decree and declare healing over your own body. But if you're gonna heal someone, you need another person to be a part of that. It's you, the Holy Spirit, and another person. When it comes to prophecy, well, you can hear God for yourself, but if you're gonna prophesy over someone or a group of people, you need a third party involved. When it comes to leadership, if you're not actually leading anyone, you're just taking a stroll down the road, right? You need a third party. Well, when it comes to speaking in tongues, this requires no one to be present other than you and the Holy Spirit. And you can engage in this heavenly language 24-7 every day of your life because uh, when, when the Holy Spirit takes up residence inside of you, there will be evidence coming out of you. And an impression of the Holy Spirit without an expression of the Holy Spirit will leave a depression in your spirit. 
And some believers are depressed because they're not expressing what God has impressed their heart with. If you have an encounter with God, you can't keep it to yourself. You've got to express it. You've got to let it out. Why? You and I were designed to be conduits, not containers, conduits, not reservoirs, channels. The reason the Dead Sea is called the Dead Sea is because it has no outlet. And, and we become dead in our spirit. We may be present but absent in our spirit when we don't allow the impression and the encounter with the Holy Spirit to be an outlet, to be expressed in our lives. Is this helping anyone today? Now, why is speaking in tongues so significant? It's significant because it represents a new era, a new person, a new control and a new unity. Let's break these down. Firstly, a new era. Now, in the Old Testament, we know that the Holy Spirit only came upon select people. Prophets, priests, and certain kings that would abide by the law and honour God, okay? This is also why the Mosaic Law was introduced to teach people and to help people understand what covenant relationship with God looks like. The Holy Spirit had not yet been poured out upon all flesh. And so the way that God would communicate his heart, his thought, his intention, his revelation to God's people was through the prophets and through the observance of the law. And as long as you honoured the word of the Lord, when it came from the Spirit of God through the prophet and you honoured the law, you're in right covenant relationship with God. How many of us know that was a temporary shadow of the perfect sacrifice of the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. God did not want us to rely upon the justification of our own works, which is very tiring and unsustainable, to simply have right relationship with God. He didn't want you and I to simply observe the law. He wanted the spirit of the law to be written on our hearts. And so Joel chapter two prophesies that there's coming a day in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Men and women have equal access to the full measure of the person of the Holy Spirit. Men and women can move in, function and operate in all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, including preaching and teaching on a platform. All right, And so all of those weird, bizarre, wrong doctrinal issues that exclude women from being able to minister under the new covenant of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, girls absolutely rip into it. Go for it. And we are a house that celebrates, empowers and disciples and releases mighty women of God to fulfil their call and walk in their God-ordained destiny. We need a praise break for five seconds right there. Now that's going to win me a lot of votes. I'm a smart preacher. But how many of us know, it's not my opinion, it's the Word of the Lord. And so when you read passages, even at the end of 1 Corinthians 14, that talks about women should keep silent in the churches. And I didn't say this in the first service, so I'm speaking to someone in this room right now. 
And when there's passages in Timothy about women should keep silent and just, you know, be modest and quiet, da, 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 it's addressing a specific issue at that time in the church. It is not a prescription for all church age. It's a description for a specific issue. We are all one in Christ. There's neither Jew, there's neither Greek, there's neither slave nor free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ. And we've all been made to drink of one baptism, one Lord, one faith, one spirit. That doesn't mean that there isn't just multiple baptisms. It's talking about we've all drunk of Jesus. We've all been baptised, immersed into the spirit of Jesus. Okay, so you need to understand that Joel's prophecy was about a coming age when God would pour His Spirit out on all flesh. Okay, it wouldn't just be certain people. It would be all of us who would believe and confess unto salvation. And so every other gift of the Spirit and miracle you can see in operation in the Old Covenant except tongues. Because speaking in tongues under the new covenant in Acts chapter two, that's why we began there today, is a sign of the new covenant relationship we have with God. That no longer do we just go to a temple to worship God, but you and I are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He lives inside of us. We have 24-7 access and it is for free. He is your wonderful counsellor. You don't have to pay. He's just constant insight and counsel and revelation. He, he, it, you don't have to, you know, try and do weird religious, uh, you know, rituals to get His attention. He flat out loves you, wants relationship with you and can speak to you wherever you are. It's good news. It just makes you feel happier, doesn't it? I was reading this morning in my devotions, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. When we get caught up in trying to follow Jesus based upon observance of the law, you're gonna get weary. You're gonna get tired. But I tell you what, get filled with the Holy Spirit. Get that prayer language. Get, get, get that connection to the Holy Spirit. Just, and some of you, maybe you had an encounter, but you're feeling a bit dry. Just pick up the power plug and plug back into the generator today. Don't, don't fuss about it and get all, you know. No, just plug your heart back into the Spirit and get under the spout where the glory comes out and just let all those cliches are all relevant. Just, just open your heart up and say, God, fill me again. For others of you, you've never spoken in tongues, but today you will, if you want to. No one's under any pressure. No one's under any compulsion here. But if you've got faith and you want it, it's available. So it's a new era. Secondly, it represents and signifies a new person. Speaking in tongues is a speech sign which points to the person of the Holy Spirit. We know someone by their talk, their language, their speech. And your speech is an overflow of your heart. Matthew 12, 33, it says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you wanna know what really is important to someone, pay attention to the words coming out of their mouth. 
you want to know what you really believe about God? Pay attention to your prayer life. Your, our, my language, our words betray what's really in our hearts. And how many of us know that can be concerning when we say things that we wish we could take back? And all of us have said things that we wish we regret and we can take back. But because the new person of the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, there's new hope, there's new freedom, and there is new opportunity for actually your tongue and your speech centre to reflect the heart and spirit of God. It signifies, thirdly, new control. Uh, James likens the tongue to a bridle on a horse that directs where that horse goes. It likens it to a rudder on a boat that steers the ship. It likens the tongue to a fire that sets a forest ablaze. All of these things are little things but have big impact. How many of us know our tongue is a small member, yet it, it sets our world on fire? It sets relationships on fire for good or for bad. It, it, it causes pain, issues, but it also can be a, a cause and source of blessing and of life over people. I wanna tell you, watch your words. Your words are creating worlds in people's lives. Your wor words are actually creating your future. I'm literally living in, a, in, in this present reality based upon the previous declarations I've made 20 years ago. Things that I'm living in now, things that I'm seeing now, I saw over 20 years ago that I began to partner with in faith and decree and declare and now I'm living in and I'm walking in in my family, in my life and my ministry. What are you declaring over your life? Because whatever you declare, that's where you're going to live. Power of life and death is in the tongue. And James says the tongue cannot be tamed except your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and you have a Holy Spirit that lives inside of you and one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is self-control. Self-control is the forgotten fruit of the Holy Spirit in our generation. We love love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness. Not too sure about self-control. But self-control is developed in partnership with the Holy Spirit inside of us as we confront areas that are out of control in our lives. It could be uh, our appetite, it could be uh, sexuality, it could be what comes out of our mouth, it could be what we look at, it could be our thinking, whatever is out of control in our You have the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, if you're a believer, living inside of you that can actually help you to come into self-government. Self-control. This is why religious control is inferior to discipling people into spiritual maturity. And churches that actually wanna put excessive rules and regulations on people are actually going the easy route that actually enslaves people rather than feeding, teaching and discipling people to come into a place of spiritual maturity. We do not want you enslaved to anything. Paul said, I will not be enslaved to anything except make me a slave of Jesus. Being a slave of Jesus is true freedom because it's a, a life that is governed by the Spirit of God and that also applies to your tongue. A new era, a new person, a new control and new unity. When the disciples spoke in tongues on the day of Pentecost, 
it was a direct reversal of the confusion of languages in Genesis 11 at the Tower of Babel. In Genesis 11, the earth had one language, one focus, one emphasis. And so they were unified around their brokenness and their sin. And they decided that they were going to build a monument to themselves, to their own glory, and they were gonna try and build it, you know, in their limited understanding to the heavens. God saw what was going on and said, they're not building something in glory to my name as creator, they're building something in glory to themselves. I'm gonna come and bring confusion to their language. And 72 people groups with different languages were dispersed from across the earth. This is in your Bible. This is Genesis 11, right? It's better than Marvel's Avengers, right? And so 72 people groups spread out across the earth, multiple generations later, we're here representing different nationalities, different people groups. It's interesting that when Jesus came, He sent out 72 disciples, two by two, to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom, raise the dead, heal sick bodies, cast out demons. It was a direct statement that what, was brought, that what brought confusion in Genesis 11 of the 72 people groups, Jesus was coming back by the power of the Spirit to restore kingdom uh, focus and unity to His people. And then He pours out His Spirit on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter two. And even though they were speaking in unknown languages, it was bringing the people of Jerusalem into unity to understand there is a God and His name is Jesus and He's come to save you from your sin. And it's crazy that over the generations of the church, that which God intended to bring unity has Immature Christians have brought so much division and disunity too. So tongues represents a new era, a new person, a new control and a new unity. And we need to understand there is a difference between speaking in tongues as a, as a supernatural sign versus a spiritual gift. And this is why we look firstly at Acts chapter two. This is the sign. And then we look at 1 Corinthians 14, and you can read from uh, chapter 12 through to 14. This is where it talks about tongues as a gift. Is this helping anyone today? In Acts chapter two, verse four, the Bible says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So in other words, the disciples began to speak in languages they hadn't learned as the Spirit gave them the words to say. I'll talk more about that partnership in a moment. After Acts 2, right, which is the outpouring of the Spirit, the day of Pentecost, they got baptised in the Holy Spirit, immersed, saturated, completely dunked and drunk in the Holy Ghost. That's what it means, right? That's why people were mocking them, saying, you're all filled with wine. You've all been, you know, on, uh, uh, had a bit of a drop. And, uh, and Peter's like, no, well, well yeah, yeah, We've, but, it's, but it's the pure drop of the Holy Spirit, right? This is what I say to people. It's not a real move of God unless it's mocked. If you wanna be a, a, a sanitized, um, outstanding citizen in society that has no one point the finger at you, Christianity's not for you. It's the truth. These men 
who have turned the world upside down have come here also. Christians, wherever they went in the first century and over the centuries, turned the world upside down. And this is why if you're gonna be a part of and receive a, and be in a move of God, you have to have the fear of man broken off of your life. And you'll never truly understand the fullness of the power of speaking in tongues while you're worried about someone mocking you for it. There was a, a man um, in Ukraine many years ago when uh, the, the church in Ukraine was um, unregistered, underground church under Soviet rule, who actually, um, he, he went to a street corner where there are a number of believers singing in the spirit. And they're praying in the spirit, preaching the gospel, praying for the sick. And before he'd even surrendered his life to Christ and prayed the sinner's prayer, he got baptised in the Holy Spirit, started to speak in tongues. And we see this evidence in the Scriptures in the book of Acts, where people get filled with the Spirit, and actually they're born of the Spirit at the same time. They get born of the Spirit, born again, and baptised all at the same time, right? And so people who had seen this guy, didn't recognise who he was, brought him to the leaders, and the leaders said, when did you become a Christian? He said, I don't even know what it means to become a Christian. All I know is I started speaking in this unknown language. So they prayed the sinner's prayer, got to do the right thing. He got saved according to their theology, right? He went back home to his family, shared the gospel with his family. He prayed for them. They all got saved, got baptised in the Holy Spirit. Then soon after started a church that became the largest Pentecostal church in Ukraine that still exists to this day. If he had have lived with fear of what people would say, his family for generations would not have been transformed and impacted. God isn't just concerned with you and your relationship with Him. He has future generations in mind. He has extended family in mind. He has multiple purposes. And you may not have your own biological children, but you're called to be a spiritual parent to someone. You're called to be a discipler of someone. You're called to actually carry this Holy Spirit and pass on a legacy of faith into other people's lives based upon your own history with God. And being in ministry is really at the end of it, is passing on your history with God. It's just staying a chapter ahead of the person you're discipling. And many of us rule ourselves out of leadership. We rule ourselves out of serving in the church because we don't feel like we know enough. Or we don't, you know, leadership is like a scary thing for a lot of believers. Can I encourage you? We're all called to make disciples of all nations and we're all called to disciple somebody and all you need to do is stay one chapter ahead. You don't need to know everything. You actually just need to be willing and available and filled with the Holy Spirit. These people who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And so after Acts 2, the day of Pentecost, come back to the notes, Corey, the baptism of the Spirit is recorded five times. And three of the five times it's recorded speaking in tongues is the sign of the baptism. Two of the times where it's not recorded, it's implied in the text. And so most scholars and theologians 
that have gone on this journey who are more skilled than I, as well as the experience of many brothers and sisters here in the life of this church, as well as leadership, we would point to that speaking in tongues appears to be the normal initial evidence of being baptised in the Holy Spirit. In Mark 16, 17, the Bible says, these signs will accompany those who believe. They will speak in new tongues. So when it comes to speaking in tongues, this is a sign that is for every believer. It's for personal edification. It doesn't need to be interpreted. Why? Because it's your heavenly language. It's not limited in how many people can receive it. This is speaking in tongues as a sign. What about as a gift? 1 Corinthians 14, 6 says, if I come to you, speaking of the public gathering, and I speak in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation, some knowledge, some prophecy, or some teaching? So in 1 Corinthians 12 to 14, Paul is teaching about speaking in tongues as a gift you exercise, not a sign you receive. He's talking about the corporate gathering. How many of us know we're in the corporate gathering? And he's saying that there will be some who get inspired to exercise the gift of tongues as a form of prophecy to edify the wider corporate good of the church. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. In other words, what manifests in me must edify others through me. My experience and encounter with God cannot just be self-centred, self-absorbed and only about me. That's why the motive, the preeminent motive for moving in the gifts of the Spirit, let alone speaking in tongues, is love for others. That's why 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, is sandwiched between chapter 12 and chapter 14, which is a discussion on spiritual gifts. Now, you may have had chapter 13 read at your wedding, right? Love is patient, love is kind, and that's beautiful and amazing, and everyone's like, oh, yes, it is, isn't it? Paul didn't have your wedding in mind when he wrote that. (laughs) Hate to burst the bubble. It doesn't mean you can't read it, but in context of the Scripture, he's saying, in 1 Corinthians 13, 1, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, so that's distinct, there's two, but have not love. Guess what? I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. He's saying you can read minds, you can move in miraculous power, you can speak in tongues, but if you aren't motivated by love for your fellow brother and sister, it amounts to nothing. Faith, hope and love remain, but the greatest of these is what? Love. Love. So love becomes the motive. And when you love your brother and sister, you will have the wisdom to know how am I to exercise and manifest this grace in an appropriate way, particularly in the corporate gathering. So he's not talking here about praying in tongues on the platform. Like when I come or someone comes, the worship leader, Stacey, or some of the team come and we say, hey, let's all sing in the spirit. I say that every week. Right? I say, let's turn this into a prayer meeting. Let's all sing in the Spirit. What am I doing? I'm exhorting us to use our heavenly language to engage and connect with God. That's not prophecy. But if someone, two or three, the chapter says, were to be inspired to bring a prophetic utterance in tongues, we would give them the mic, they would prophesy, 
and we would have someone interpret. Why? Because you don't know. You're speaking an unknown language. You don't know what they're speaking. And so you need that interpreted in your native tongue to know this is what God is saying to us. Now, how many of us know this is a foreign concept in the modern church? Because we think all all these sort of gifts are ooky, spooky, and it's going to scare people away. Well, apparently it didn't on the day of Pentecost. 3,000 got saved. And people who are trying to hide the manifestation of the Spirit under the carpet in that weird connect group, that weird life group. Let's just... You know, I was talking to someone the other day, they're talking about, you know, that weird life group outside of our church in another church on another planet, another galaxy. It's like that, you know, we hide it away. No, no, no. The, the, the answer to misuse of the gifts isn't non-use or weird use. It's proper use in the main body of the church. <laughs> Holy Spirit gets poured out. They speak in unknown languages. 3,000 people get saved. Maybe if we did speak in tongues more, we'd see more salvations. Why? Because Paul says in chapter 14, tongues is a sign for the unbeliever. Not for the believer, for the unbeliever. Because literally people go, what the heck is going on here? Are you guys out of your minds? No, we're filled with the Holy Spirit. If you are waiting to try and get everyone convinced to follow Jesus by sanitizing the gospel, you're gonna be waiting for eternity. Give up, don't worry about it. But if we want to see people encounter the reality of Jesus in all of his power, brilliance, authenticity and glory, we've gotta stop hiding the gifts away and we've got to, in love, Bring them into the full expression of the body of the church. I'm I'm feeling excited just preaching this. So as a gift in operation prophetically, not every believer will exercise that gift corporately. It's for the corporate edification of the church. It needs interpreting because we wanna know what God's saying. And it's only for a limited number of people. But the sign, go for it. That's everyone's privilege. You see, why should you desire to speak in tongues? Because it enhances your prayer and praise and builds up your spirit. Tongues enhances your prayer. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, 2, one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. We're uttering mysteries in the spirit. And what praying in the spirit does, it enables you to pray with a supernatural authority beyond your own language and beyond your own capacity. How many of us know there comes a point in your prayers where your native tongue fails? Words fail. And you're trying to communicate what the depths of grief in your heart or you're trying to communicate to God how majestic and glorious He is or you're trying to ask God for help in a certain area and you just can't get the words out. Well, when words fail, tongues prevail. And you get into the slipstream of your spirit and your mind may not understand it because it's a mystery, but your spirit, Paul said, I will pray with my mind and my spirit. I will praise with my mind and my spirit. He's not just saying, you got. this is why it's the height of arrogance for our generation to say, I have to understand it and see it before I engage with it. And yet people fall in love all the time and can't understand it, can't explain it, but it's real. 
If you have to understand everything before you engage it, you're gonna miss out on a lot of the kingdom because a lot of the kingdom is mystery. And this is why it requires faith. And you've just got to launch out, Peter, out of that boat of comfort and begin to walk on top of the water. And you'll discover that everything that God says is true. What if everything Jesus said is actually true? How about we live like what He said is actually true? Even greater works than these will you do because I'm going to the Father. So, so even in that moment where we don't know what to pray, Romans 8.26 says, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we don't know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groaning too deep for words. So speaking in tongues enhances our prayer. It also enhances our praise. I love it when like we were earlier, we're just in a moment. I love the fact that we don't need music to praise the Lord. Let's just shut the music down and use your voice, your vocal cords, your tongue as an instrument of praise and of worship. So we not only pray with our mind and our spirit, we praise with our mind and our spirit. How can our native tongues do justice to the glory and wonder of God? There's no word, there's no language, there's no concept that can even come close to the perfection of an eternal, almighty, or powerful God. Notice I use some big words there. But even those words fall far short of His nature and of, of, of who He is. And so Job, trying to wrap his mind around this in Job chapter 40 verse 4 says, I am in awe of you and my words fail me. My words can't even come close to encapsulating the brilliance of who you are. And so what speaking in tongues does, it gives you a freedom to praise God that is not limited to the confines of your natural speech. You can go somewhere in the spirit that your native tongue and your natural mind cannot take you there. That's why you cannot relate to God only on the rational, logical mind. God's given us a good brain. We use it, rational, logic, awesome. But He's also given you access to heavenly realities, to the dimension of the spirit realm. Speaking in tongues builds up your spirit. The Bible says in verse four of this chapter, 1 Corinthians 14, the one who speaks in a tongue builds up themselves. Jude 1.26 says, build yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit on all occasions. Now, when one of the founding fathers of our church, A.C. Valdez, evangelist from Modesto, California, partnered with C.L. Greenwood, when he first arrived in Melbourne, his memoirs tell us that he encountered intense demonic spiritual warfare to the point he wanted to pack his bags and go home. And he said the only thing that broke this attack of darkness where he literally felt the cold shiver of a demon's hand on his shoulder, pulling him into darkness. He said the only thing that broke it is he exercised violent tongues until the darkness left him. He lifted up his voice and he spoke in tongues. He got into the river of the Spirit and he parted with the Spirit. And, and, and all of a sudden, that Spirit that was within him and his partnership in faith repelled that spiritual attack from his life. Another person, a pastor's 14-year-old daughter and her friend got kidnapped, true story, by a, a, a dodgy character and, 
and these two girls were in the back of the car over in the States and they were freaking out, not knowing what to do. And so she just decided she would start praying in tongues at the loudest she possibly could. And after 10 minutes of praying in tongues, the stranger pulled the car across to the side of the road and said, get out, I can't stand it any longer. I'm telling you, there is power when you begin to open up your mouth and declare the glory and the Lordship of Jesus in the spirit realm. What that means, mind might not understand. In the spirit realm, there was an understanding. There was a connection. There was an embracing. See, speaking in tongues is like weightlifting for your spirit. It builds spiritual muscle. It repels darkness in your life. This is why if you've been attacked by depression, anxiety or panic, you gotta start to speak in tongues. Take authority over that thing. And when your words fail, the Spirit of God in you will prevail through your prayer language. And too many believers are hiding their prayer language away. No, you need to get it out. You need to use your weapons because the weapons of your warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. That's why Ephesians 6 says, when talking about the armour of God, putting on the armour of God, it says pray in the Spirit on all occasions. So you say, okay, I'm ready. I'm gonna buy the T-shirt. I'm coming to conference. I I want this. How do I speak in tongues? It's actually easier than you think. You ask God in faith. And you yield your mind, body, spirit and tongue to the Holy Spirit. You yield yourself. You say, God, I present my body as a living sacrifice. Fill me, baptise me. Give me this prayer language. Give me this gift of speaking in tongues. You ask for it. He wouldn't invite you to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts if it wasn't available. I mean, how cruel of a father would be if they said, earnestly desire this gift, but you can't have it. I mean, it's very logical. That's weird. We'd call that abusive. No, he says, earnestly desire the gift because I want you to have it. He wouldn't offer it to you if he didn't want you to have it. And he wouldn't give it to us if he didn't want us to use it. Personally and corporately. What a lot of Christians do is they're passive towards speaking in tongues and they just think, if I just sit in my spiritual jacuzzi with my spiritual iced tea and I just wait and I don't open up my mouth, but I just wait, it's all gonna happen. And they don't realise there is both a divine and a human element. The spirit takes the initiative, but also my tongue takes the initiative. There is no contradiction between desiring to speak in tongues and the sovereign outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You see, whilst the Holy Spirit apportions gifts as He wills for the gathering, we must bring our desire, our expectation. This is where faith comes in. Because speaking in tongues is a cooperation between us as believers and the Holy Spirit. This is what I've learned. Without God, you can't. But without you, God won't. You and I, apart from him, John 15, 5, we can do nothing. As in, oh, you can do a lot. I'm talking about producing fruit in the kingdom. Apart from Christ and apart from union with the Spirit, you cannot produce long-lasting eternal fruit. You can do a lot of stuff, 
but on judgment day, it'll all amount, it'll all be burned up and amount to nothing. But if you do it in partnership with Him in the power of the Holy Spirit, it's eternal. Without God, you and I can't. But without you and I, God won't. Why? Because He created you and I and He's called us into covenant relationship with Him. And He carries out His purposes on the earth through partnership with our faith, our relationship, our intimacy. And so when it comes to speaking in tongues, we come forward and we do the speaking, we start to pray and we start to praise God in our native tongue and then God furnishes the words in our mouths as we yield our tongues to the Holy Spirit. There's none of this nonsense about you trying to create weird words to try and speak in tongues and say, that's it, you've got it. No, we don't do that. We just say, just come with a hungry heart. Why? Because Matthew 11 says, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Thank you for listening to Numa Church with Corey Turner. Please visit our website, numa.church, and follow us on our social media platform.